For the word today. Yeah. All right, let's go ahead and turn in our Bibles. Turn in to Matthew chapter 28, 18 through 20, and just keep your place there. I just want to give you a, a quick review. Last week I was in Fort Stockton, Texas, and I know Pastor Willard brought you guys a great word. How many of y'all appreciate Pastor Willard? Come on. Come on, give him a good God bless you. Amen. But I want to jump right back into our series that we've been in called One. And this really came to me because of a scripture in Luke chapter 15 that says that heaven rejoices more over one sinner coming to the Lord than over 99 just people who need no repentance. And what Jesus is trying to teach us here is the value in just one. I also read a recent statistic in the church that was taken in the church in America. And when they polled uh, the average Christian, they asked how many how many of you here have ever led somebody to the Lord personally? It was an alarming rate that the average Christian in America has never reproduced themselves and, and won somebody to the Lord and discipled somebody. And, and, and that really got to me because, see, this whole thing is about making disciples. I'm going to prove it to you in the scriptures. And if you're not reproducing yourself, then what? the heck are you doing? Come on, ask your neighbor right now. What the heck are you doing? Tell him, tell him a little attitude too. Tell him a little attitude. Because sometimes we got to ask ourselves this, right? Come on back. Come on back now. We're starting fights in the back there. Somebody's like, fool, don't talk to me like that. You don't know me. No, no, no. Just, I told him to say it. Okay. But, 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 the problem we have, right, is when we get away from the gospel, we start to get weird on some things. And we start to think, I'm a good Christian, even though you're not doing what the main thing in Christianity is to do, which is to help others. The vision of this church is to love God and lift others, okay? Now, we're real good about that first part, or we think we are anyway. But really, Jesus said the first and the second commandment are the same. You got to love the Lord God with all your mind, your soul, your heart. And the second, he said, it's just like it to love your neighbor as yourself. And so, and so what we're trying to talk about in this, in this message, in this series called One, is many of us here have never led anybody to the Lord, have never discipled anybody. So my challenge to you is this. Hey, let's just win one. One. 
Nobody's asking you to quit your job and, and move to El Salvador and live in a hut and reach somebody. Nobody's asking you to do anything outlandish to go on the street corner with a megaphone and stand on a, a box and start preaching. No, all we're asking you to do, what the, Bible, what, what the Bible's clear on, is you just need to win one. Come on, tell your neighbor, win one. So that's what we're talking about here. And so Luke 15 illustrates to us that heaven rejoices over just one sinner, okay? And then we looked at Ecclesiastes chapter 513, which talks about King Solomon writing here in Ecclesiastes uh, that the worst kind of evil that he has ever seen under the sun is when rich people keep their riches to themselves, okay? And many of us go, oh yeah, that's terrible when rich people do that. But you gotta understand something. You're who he's talking about in the scriptures, if you're, if you're a Christian, because the Bible tells us that you and I have been given the riches of Christ Jesus. You and I have the riches of Christ Jesus in us. We have salvation. We have forgiveness of sins. We have all these things. And the Bible says the worst kind of evil before you start pointing your finger at people in the world and all those sinners out there, all the drug addicts, all the adulterers. Listen, we got to look in the mirror. Because what's worse than all of that is the fact that you got Jesus and you won't share him. You go to church every Sunday. You serve. You stop sinning. You stop doing stuff. But you don't get anybody else in that experience by sharing Christ. And so King Solomon, the wisest man of his day at that time, writes, this is the worst kind of evil under the sun. But then he puts a little caveat on there. He puts something that most people miss. He says, the worst kind of evil is when you keep riches to yourself to where it begins to hurt you. Now, what does that mean? How can riches kept to myself hurt me? Well, when I begin to ask the Holy Spirit about that, he began to show me people and places that I've been and people that claim to be Christians and churches that claim to be churches. How many of y'all know not all churches are churches? Amen. There are some weird people out there that claim to be Christians. There are some weird churches out there that y'all should stay away from. Can I get an amen on that? Then I heard of a church that had a thousand dollar prophecy line. And then they had a $500 prophecy line, a $300 prophecy line, and a $100 prophecy line. And the bishop of that church said, if you want, <laughs> if you want a $1,000 word, <laughs> come in here and get in. How many know that's weird? Did y'all know that's weird? Can I tell you what's even weirder? People got up and were paying the money to go get a $1,000 word. Tell your neighbor, that's weird. Because that's not how God functions. But did y'all know churches like that exist? People like that exist? And my job as your shepherd and as your pastor is to make sure that this church and you and your family don't get weird. Because they're out there, folks. There's some weird people talking about, I follow Jesus. And they're not following Jesus. Because if you're following Jesus, you're doing what he's doing. And can I tell you what he's doing? Y'all want to know what he's doing? He said, upon this rock, I will build my 
church. If you ain't building his church, you ain't doing what he's doing. Therefore, you're not following him. And most likely, most likely, you're getting weird. Weirder by the minute. Amen. I'm telling you, read it. Ecclesiastes 5.13. Riches kept to their owner for their own hurt or their own demise. And this is what's happening in the body of Christ around the world. People that aren't winning souls start to get weird. And they start going after demonic doctrines, the book of 2 Timothy talks about. They start seeking their own desires. They start becoming lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. So here's what we need to do, right? We need to get down to the brass tacks of what it all means. And we've been talking about that. Then we looked at Isaiah chapter four, verse one, and Isaiah prophesied it in the last days. Listen to this. In that day, seven women shall take hold of one man saying, we will eat our own food, wear our own apparel. Only let us be called by your name to take away our reproach. And what Isaiah was prophesying was our day. The seven women in this scripture in Isaiah chapter four represent the seven uh, brides, the seven churches in the book of Revelation. And what, he, what they're talking about there is they're saying, Jesus, we will eat our own food. In other words, we'll eat our own doctrine. We'll believe what we want to believe. Don't tell us how to live. Don't tell us how to get down. Don't tell us how to do life. We're going to do what we want to do. And then it says, and we don't want to wear your clothes, which means this. We don't want your identity. We want to be who we want to be. All we want you to do is take away our sins. And folks, what I've just described to you is how church many times is in America. People don't want to live like God. They don't want to learn about the word of God and then follow God's word. We want to live how we want to live. I'm sorry, pastor, but I'm going to have sex with my girlfriend and come to church. And it's okay because Jesus loves me and there's grace. See, you're who he's talking about in the scripture right here. You're who he's talking about right here. All you want is forgiveness. You don't want Jesus. And I'm just telling you, you don't get forgiveness without Jesus. And when you follow Jesus, what you're saying is yes to everything. We want your teaching, Jesus. We want to follow you. We want your identity. I'm no longer a sinner. I don't belong in the club no more. I don't, be, I don't belong smoking trees no more. I put all that away, Jesus, because your word tells me to be sober-minded. I don't just want salvation. I want you. Tell your neighbor, I want Jesus. I know some of you doing it by faith, but that's where it starts. Amen. Come on. We want Jesus. We don't just want to go to heaven. I want Jesus. And if I want Jesus, Jesus, tell me how to live. If it's in your word, Jesus, I'll do it. All right. It ain't just about a rule, a list of do's and don'ts. But man, Jesus, I want you. What does it take to have you? OK, so that's what we've been talking about. We've been talking about the importance of following Jesus. OK, and so now I want to I want to jump into this today as we wrap this up. Matthew chapter 28. That's why I told you to turn earlier. It's on the screen behind me. This is Jesus's last words to the church, okay? It says here, and Jesus came and spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. 
So these are Jesus's last words. And if you've ever seen a movie or read a book, you know the last words of somebody are the most important words. And so as Jesus ascends on high, he tells us, I'm giving you authority to go forth and make disciples of all nations. What many Christians or so-called Christians are doing today is not this. We are saying, Jesus, come into my life, be the Lord of my life, and just take me to heaven. Fix my addiction. Help me start a business. Show me what my purpose is. Show me this. Give me that. Do this for me, and I'll give you glory. And Jesus is saying, that's great, but will you take up my mission? And many Christians aren't taking up the mission. This is why I just want to challenge you this year. This is the, by the end of this year, I'm imploring you and praying for you and asking you to take up the mission. Will you just reach one? Just one. Because if we're not doing the Great Commission, what are we doing? If we're not reaching anybody then what are we doing with this great gift of salvation? Oh, well, pastor, you know, I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to stay alive and keep my family blessed. Listen, this gift is so great. If you don't give it out, it's a crime is basically what Ecclesiastes says. Now, Jesus commissions us, okay? This is written to all of us as followers of Jesus Christ, whether you're a young person or an old person. All right, whether you're a man or a woman, God's desire, the Holy Spirit's desire for you in this season specifically is that you at least just win one. Now, Matthew chapter 10, verse eight, Jesus gives us the whole thing of what this all sits on. The main instruction that he gives to his disciples before he sends them out is he tells them that freely you have received Therefore, freely give. Now, remember, we talked about a couple weeks ago, John chapter 10, 10, which said Jesus came to give you a better life than you could ever dream. In the King James, he says, I've come to give you an abundant life, a life of abundance, a life of more than enough. And the reason he does that is because you're supposed to go out and share everything that Jesus gives you. You take some and you pour it out on somebody else. But can I tell you what the church in America has done? We sit there with a cup that's overflowing and we hoard it and we, put, we drink from it and we let it spill all over us and we sit there while our brothers and sisters are, are, are dying of thirst, while people are dying and going to hell. We sit there with a cup that's overflowing and we brag about our cup that's overflowing. Well, look what God did for me. Look at this promotion I got. Look at this great position I got. Look at this degree I got. Yeah, God has blessed me. He has blessed me so much. All the while, you do nothing to share what he's given you. Freely you have received, so freely give. Come on, tell your neighbor, freely you've received, freely give. Tell him, tell him. So now, uh, Matthew chapter 10, verse 16 uh, to 17, Jesus tells his disciples here, behold, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. 
He says, therefore, be wise as serpents, harmless as doves, but beware of men for they will deliver you up to councils, scourge you and in the synagogues. Now, guys, what does this talk about here? You know what this talks about? This talks about the fact that if you're going to be a witness for Jesus, it's going to cost you something. It's going to cost you something. This Christian life, these blessings that you get to enjoy, listen, you just don't get to enjoy them and then just heap them all on yourself. No, if you're going to be a witness for Jesus, it's going to cost you a little bit. And this is where usually where we lose people, right? And that's okay. Because if you ain't down for that, you ain't making it in anyway. Because a life without sacrifice is no life at all. I'll say that again. A life without sacrifice is no life at all. Sacrifice is usually the missing thing that gives you the life that you want to have. Do you know why you don't want to have, you don't have a better marriage? Because you don't sacrifice enough. Do you know why that business ain't taking off like it should? You ain't sacrificing enough. See, everything, every blessing is on the other side of a sacrifice. And so when Jesus tells us, hey, you're my sheep and I love you, but I'm sending you out amongst wolves. Now think about that because we know Jesus loves us, but why in the heck is Jesus sending us to a place that is filled with wolves called the world? Well, Acts chapter one, verse eight tells us the answer to this. He says in Acts chapter one, verse eight, behold, you shall receive the power of the Holy Spirit. He will come upon you and you shall be witness for me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and all the ends of the earth. So in order to be able to, for you and I to accomplish what God's called us to do, he gives us the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit is not just given to you so you can claim to have power have a prayer language, and sit around and glow in the dark because you're so anointed. The reason the Holy Spirit is given to you is to help you reach people. And we have this revival culture in America where people are just revival hungry. Oh, we want revival. We want revival. I wish that was a sincere cry because it's a good sincere cry to have. But most people's cry for revival is God, do the work for us. Send revival to our city so that people will be drawn. No, God told you, go and win souls and make disciples. And many times we cry, the church cries out for revival simply because they don't want to do the work. They don't want to do the work. They want God to do it. And so we want God send revival. No, how about you carry revival? And how do we carry revival? Just win one. Just win one. Let me tell you how this works in the eyes of heaven. When God looked at your job, he saw all the grimy, come on. He saw all the nasty people you work with. Come on, somebody, amen. Just look straight ahead. Your boss ain't here, you know. He heard all the conversations in the, in the break room and he sees all the nasty emails they send back and forth. And heaven says, how are we going to reach them? And your name pops up. Yeah, come on. Come on. And you go apply for that job. And heaven says, yeah, hire this guy because I'm going to use him as salt and light in the workplace. And you get the job. But you think you got the job because you're all that. Can I, let you on, can I let you in on a little secret? 
You ain't all that. You aight. You aight. You know what I'm talking about. Come on, I'm not saying you're, you're, you're nothing. You aight, okay? But the reason you got that job is because God has a purpose for you in that workplace. And you go, oh, yeah, I know he does. So I can provide for my kids and I can buy a house and I can tithe off it. Yeah, yeah, all that. That's good. But, but he is also calling you to that workplace to at least just win one. One. Now, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but how you doing on that? How you doing on that? See, most of us, it's not even on our radar. Because we just, you know, we, we about, we doing what we do while I serve at church. And that's great. Awesome. But I'm just telling y'all, no matter what area of, of society you're in, God desires to use you to just win one. Amen? Now, there's a way that you win one on the workplace. The way that you win somebody on the workplace, can I tell you? Can I tell you real quick? Yeah. It's not that you just go out and start preaching Jesus at, half, uh, at halftime, at break time. I'm thinking football already. I'm sorry. Pray for me. I got Raiders on my mind. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. So here's what happens, right? So, you, you know, at break time comes. This is what most people. That doesn't mean you got to go start a Bible study at break time. Hey, everybody, I'm starting a Bible study. You want to come? They're like, no, fool, we're eating lunch. And then, and then you walk away going, I guess nobody wants them, you know, Jesus. And you just go away, you know, feeling like a knucklehead. Let me tell you how you win your coworkers. You ready? Be a good worker. Here's, here's an even better one. This will bring revival to the workplace. You ready? Christians, you ready? Y'all ready? This is how you bring revival to the workplace. Get there on time. Somebody needs to write that down. Get there on time. I just want to let that marinate a little bit. Because we take being on time too lightly. Being on time is the first impression you give people about who you are every day. And when you're the last one to work, you know what you've told everybody? You're selfish. One of the greatest evidence of selfishness in a person's life is they cannot be on time. Somebody needs to write that down. Think about that for a minute. Think about that. Some of us have been raised in families that were never on time. It's a terrible thing. And we need to change that. Because being on time is a part of your witness. And when you get to work on time, that shows you're about your business. Can I get an amen? amen. But when you walk in hecka late, talking about, well, everybody's late. You ain't everybody. It affects your witness. Don't try to tell people about Jesus when you can't even get to work on time. When you're not even a good worker. When you're always lying and calling in sick when you ain't sick. 
People getting mad up in here right now. I didn't come to church for all this, Pastor. Security, you got to walk me out? Okay, all right. Praise God. But look at this is the plan of God. So wherever you work, wherever you live, God foresaw the need for people to receive Christ, and he put you there. He put you there so that you can at least win one. Now, look at uh, Isaiah chapter 6, 8 and 9. This is my prayer as your pastor that you will catch today, that we will be a church that says this back to God. Isaiah says this, also, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send? Who will go for us? Then I said, here am I, send me. Man, that is the prayer that I hope that you catch today. That when God wants to reach people, you're down to say, here I am, God, send me. Now, that's not just a mission scripture. That's for you Monday morning. God loves those people you work with. He's trying to reach them. Will you allow him to use you to reach them? Listen, God loves your cousins and your nana and your nonos and your ninu nanus and all the people you call family. He loves them all. But he wants to use you to reach them at the next family gathering. So don't get drunk. So don't act a fool so that you can reach Nana. Because Nana needs Jesus. Not that Nana over there. Nana, we love you. We see you. (laughs) But your Nana needs Jesus. Your cousin needs Jesus. Your nephews and nieces need Jesus. And here you are acting a fool talking about, I ain't doing nothing wrong. It's not a sin to drink. No, but it's a sin to be a fool. My prayer is this, that we would be a church that says, here we are, send us. Amen? In a couple weeks, Pastor Willard's going to Peru. You know why he's going? Because he has said, here am I, send me. Now, he's going to be dodging some poison darts. We need to pray for him. He's going to be in the Amazon, all right? He's going. I'm sending Nate with him. He's special forces over here uh, in the military. Jungle train, jungle trained, actually. Sorry. And they're going to go, you know. Why? Because you know what kind of church we are? Here we are. Send us. And I'm not just sending him out. I'm going to a war zone myself. I'll be in the Ukraine two weeks from now. Ukraine's at war with Russia. People are trying to get out of the Ukraine. I'm going in. Why? Because people need Jesus. Here, my Lord, send me. But it don't gotta, you don't got to wait till something like that happens. Will you just go to your neighborhood? You want to reach people in your neighborhood? Can I tell you how to reach people in your neighborhood? Do y'all want to know? Do y'all want to know how to reach? Y'all leaving me hanging up here. You can't hear me today? Do y'all want to reach people in your neighborhood? Can I tell you how to reach people in your neighborhood? Cut your lawn. Where's Tavo at? Hand out those uh, uh, cards. Where's Tavo? 
We got a great landscaping crew. We got, we got my man Royal over here as a landscaping company too. And get his card on your way out. Because how can we reach people in our neighborhoods when we don't take care of our houses? Can I give you another tip? This is going to bring revival to your neighborhood. You ready? Water your lawn. The drought's over, y'all. It's over. Let's make it look nice. Let's make our homes say that God lives here. You want to know why? Because we want to just reach one. Amen? Is this helping anybody? I'm not saying this to pick on anybody. Listen, we we need to tighten up our witness. The problem is we don't care. The problem is we live in like nobody's watching and everybody's watching. Everybody's watching you. Amen? Look at John chapter 20, verse 21. This separates the wheat and the tares. This separates the real from the fugazi. Come on, from the fake, all right? John 20, 21 says this. So Jesus said to them again, in other words, he's been saying this. Peace to you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. Okay? As the Father has sent me, I also send you. Now, what does this mean? What was Jesus sent here to do? He was sent here to redeem and reach the lost. Now, Jesus says, God, the Father has sent me here. Now I send you. That's it. If we're not going out and and, and living our lives to reach lost people, what are we doing? What What have we deceived ourselves into doing? You know what most Christians are just trying to do? Get blessed. Trying to get a blessing. Trying to get my business going. Trying to get my ministry going. Trying to get this. Trying to get that. Listen, you ain't got to do all that. It's going to happen for you. But what you do have to do is say yes to the mission. And Jesus is telling you today, married couple. Jesus is telling you today, single person. Man, woman, child, old person. He's telling you as the Father sent me, I now send you. And where does he send you? It always starts in the world that you live in. He sends you first to the people that are around you. And yet we, sometimes we just go to church. We ain't trying to reach nobody. We ain't trying to do nothing for nobody. Then my question is always this. Then what are you doing? You're, you're, you're certainly not following Jesus. Because if you would follow Jesus... This would be on your heart somewhere that I need to live in a way to reach people. But we have become so seduced by this culture, the culture that is offended by everything. We have become afraid to share truth because we think, well, I I don't want to hurt their feelings. I don't want to offend them. Oh, because you don't want to hurt feelings or you don't want to offend. You don't share. Listen, there's a way to share and not be a jerk about it. There's a way to share Jesus that is attractive. Paul called it speaking the truth in love. Telling somebody they're wrong from a place of love, not a place of argumentativism. Yeah, I made that word up right now. (laughs) See, not in a place of just arguing all the time and you need Jesus. And nobody's telling you to go on the street corner here with a megaphone. Can I tell you why? Because it don't work. 
Ain't nobody here that came to Jesus because you heard someone preaching on a megaphone. If you did, well, praise God for you. God will use anything. I get it. But what I'm trying to get you to do is take up your mission and live right and be a witness. Jesus said it like this. You and I are called to be salt and light. If salt loses its flavor, what's it good for? Nothing, he said. He said it would be trampled underfoot of men. In other words, when you're not doing what God has called you to do, you lose your flavor and you also will be walked on in this life. And many Christians are getting beat up in this life. They're being walked on in this life. And if you want to know how to get out of that, take up the mission. Amen. Now, let me give you another scripture here. He writes this. He says, I am always thankful to my God as I remember you in my prayers because I'm hearing reports about your faith in the Lord Jesus and how much love you have for all of his holy followers. I pray for you that the faith that we share may effectively deepen your understanding of every good thing that belongs to you in Christ. What is he writing here to Philemon? What he's telling him is this, that as you share your faith, your understanding of God is going to grow deeper, but not until you share your faith. Guys, some of y'all are working me Sunday to Sunday. I'm working, sweating, preparing. You know, Pastor Willard was up here working, sweating last week, trying to get the word to get in your understanding. But guess what? You ain't ever going to get it until you start sharing your faith. Because it's the sharing of your faith that deepens your understanding. And you can come to this church week after week, and as long as you ain't sharing your faith, there's only one level that you'll be able to go. But if you want to go deeper in God, deeper in God in the understanding of the good things that belong to you, you got to start sharing your faith. You got to get out the box. You got to get out there and walk in the blessing. Now, before I let you go, I want to give you four blessings that are going to come into your life between now and the end of the year. Or I'm speaking this prophetically to you for anybody that'll grasp it. Four things that are going to happen in your life if you just win one. That's it. That's it. Just win one. Just reach one person for Jesus Christ. Just take it upon yourself. You ain't got to go on a missions trip. You ain't got to do something outlandish. All you got to do is say, okay, God, use me at work. Okay, God, use me in my family. Amen? Amen. So this is the four blessings that come with winning one. Are you ready for this? This section over here was. I said, are you ready for this? Because see, you got needs and God knows you got needs. And what I'm trying to tell you is when you obey the scriptures, your needs get met. So here's the blessing of winning one. Number one, the first thing that's going to happen when you step out to win one is God will meet all of your needs. I want you to write that down, screenshot it, whatever you got to do. Get this in your spirit. God will meet all of your needs when you step out and just win one. See, so many of you got this thing backwards. You got the cart before the horse. 
You're trying to get all your needs met. That's what your need is. I'm on my grind. I'm on my grind. I got to get out here. You know, I got to do this. I got to do that because I got to feed my kids. We got to eat. We got to eat. We're trying to eat out here. And we're trying to do all this. Hey, slow down. God knows that. And he gives us a promise in Matthew 6, 33. And the promise is this. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all the things you need will be added unto you. Now, I want you to think about this right now. What are some things that you need? There's some people over here that need peace to get rid of your anxiety. God could give you that. Some of you over here need a house because you're renting. And rent is not cheap. God can meet that need. Some of you over here need a spouse, right? Trying to get married. You need a man. Come on, this is the place you should bring that prayer. God knows you need one. He knows it. He'll meet that need. Some of you need a woman. There he is. You'd have to say it like that, though. You'd have to say it like that. You got, you got too little too into that one right there. Amen. I'm just messing with you, bro. But it's true. It's true. Jesus said, seek me first in my kingdom, and all these things will be added unto you. I'm here to tell you today, I don't know what is heavy on your radar, what's going on with you. Maybe it's a healing in your body. Maybe it's a a healing of your soul. But as you put God's agenda first, he'll meet your needs. And the only thing on God's agenda right now in in this dispensation of the New Testament, the only thing on his agenda is getting his kids back. That's it. That's all he's interested in. That's all. He wants to get his kids back. And when he finds one person that says, here am I, Lord, send me, you watch what he'll do for your life. You watch what he'll pour out on your life. I'm telling you, the first blessing that'll come into your life is God will meet all your needs, Matthew 6, 33. The second thing God's going to do for you. Y'all ready for the second thing? You will develop a deeper understanding of God. There are so many Christians out there that are hungering for more revelation, hungering for more knowledge. I want to know God. I want to know his word. We're hungry. And as pastors and leaders, man, we're working overtime to try to meet that hunger. But see, some of your hunger is blocked. Some of your understanding is blocked until you say yes to the mission. And we saw in Philemon 1 through 4, I mean, chapter 1, verse 4 and 6, that the deeper understanding comes when you share your faith. When you share your faith, you're going to start learning about the blessings that God has given you. You're going to start grasping God's plan for your life. But it's not going to come until you step out and overcome the fear, overcome the selfishness, and try to just win one. Amen? Amen. Tell your neighbor, win one. Number three, third thing that's going to happen for you is divine intervention for your earthly challenges. Divine intervention is going to begin to happen for your earthly challenges. Matthew chapter 17, 24 through 27. 
what's happening in this story here, it's a great, it's a great, great story. And it's got double meanings in it. But when you read that scripture there, Jesus was wanted for tax evasion. Yeah. The son of God was about to spend time in the big house, the slammer, because he didn't pay his taxes. And so what does he do? He doesn't panic. You know what he does? He tells his disciple, hey, why don't you go fishing? Why don't you go fishing? Now, that is such a weird instruction when you're facing jail time. Think about that. They're about to take you away for tax evasion because you ain't paid your taxes to Caesar. And the disciples are, are wigging out. And Jesus goes, no, don't even trip. Go fishing. Why? Why does Jesus say that? Here's the hidden meaning that you need to catch. When you go fishing for men, divine intervention for your earthly challenges comes into play. What is it you need from God? Go fishing. When you read the story, what happens? He goes fishing. He catches a fish. And in the fish's mouth is a gold coin enough to pay Jesus's taxes. That's divine intervention. You know how divine intervention comes? Go fishing. Get out there and reach just one. I know you've been, pastor, I've been praying for a husband for years. I've been praying for a house for years and nothing's happened. This is a prophetic word for you. Go fishing. You mean fishing for a man? Not that kind of fishing. Not that kind of fishing. Amen. Some of y'all said, I could, I could do that, Pastor. Where are my fish nets at? No, 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 no. Don't put, the, don't put those on. Don't put those on. All right. Number four, last one. Last blessing that's going to come to you as you win one. You receive more of God. You'll receive more of God. And that's what my desire is for y'all. That you would experience more of his presence, his goodness, his word. But he can't give it to you unless you pour out what he's given you. As long as you're keeping it to yourself, he can't give you more. Matthew chapter 25 talks about the unjust steward and the, and the just steward and he says something in that scripture that I'll read it to you, Matthew 25, 29. For to everyone who has, more will be given and he will have abundance. But from him who does not have, even what he has, listen, will be taken away. Now, what is he talking about in this scripture? He's talking about fruitfulness because there was one servant that when he was given this talent, these riches, he didn't do anything with it. The Bible says he buried it and brought it back to the master and said, here's what you gave me. And the master says, why didn't you reproduce what I gave you? And so because you've done nothing with what I've given you, what I've given you, I'm taking back and I'm going to give to the person next to you. So here's what I'm saying to you today. Somebody in here is going to walk out with your blessing today, unless you do something with this word. 
Because I'm giving you the same word today. Some of you are going to hear it from God and go, I need to get out of here and I need to go reach somebody. And I know just who I need to talk to tomorrow at work. I know just who I need to call and invite to church next week. I know just, and you're going to walk out of here going, amen, I hear you, Lord. I know you're telling me to reach somebody, just reach one. I'm going to go do it. Others of you are going to leave here and go, hey, that was a nice word. <laughs> I like that word. Well, that was a good one, Pastor. Amen. Are you going to do it? Oh, no, no, I'm not going to do it. But that was cool. I laughed a little bit here and there. So guess what's going to happen? The blessing that was reserved for you is going to go right to the person next to you. And they're going to get a blessing and they're going to get your blessing. Tell your neighbor right now, you ain't getting my blessing. Tell them. Tell them with an attitude too. You ain't getting my blessing. Because that's what the scripture says. Guys, that's what it says. From him who does not have, even what he has, is going to be taken away. I'm telling you, I believe this with all my heart. By the end of the year, if you say yes to this mission, to just win one, you will see all these blessings come upon your life. But will you accept the mission? Or will you be like this fulano right here in the story that doesn't do anything and God has to take what was his and give it to somebody else. And then, you're, then you become a hater. Well, why did they get it? How come she got married? How come they're having a baby? How come they're doing that? I do all this stuff. Maybe it's because you were not a good steward enough to t- say yes to the word of God and do something with it. Are you tracking with me today? Tell your other neighbor, you're not getting my blessing today. These are the things, guys, that God is looking for. Amen. Let's all stand on our feet. Did you get something out of this today? Listen, time will tell. Time will tell. And I know what I feel in my spirit. Go after and get the one. You know what was beautiful about that? I love this church. What was beautiful about that is a couple weeks ago, we baptized some folks. And as I began to hear the testimonies, I began to see that there were people in the church that said, Pastor, this person brought me. This person brought me. And as we began to ask the people, how'd you come to Christ? My friend brought me to church. My friend told me this. See, that's what I'm talking about, going and winning the one so that somebody else can share in this new life. Don't forget what God brought you out of. Some of us in this room, we used to be strung out on drugs. Some of us in this room, we used to be full of alcoholism and abuse. Now you're set free. Some of us in here just used to be ugly. Now you fine. Somebody say amen. You used to be busted. You used to be all jacked up. Now look at you. Now look at you. You look good. You look good. Amen. Don't forget where God brought you from and share that with somebody. Amen. Praise God. Close your eyes for a moment as I let you go. Father, I thank you for every person here. I just release this prophetic word, Lord, 
And to anybody that would add their amen to this word, that would say yes to this mission, I believe these four blessings are going to come upon their life. Whatever doors, whatever opportunities they've been seeking, Lord, as they put that aside and just choose to win one, God, you're going to do the miraculous in their life. Businesses are going to explode. Dreams are going to begin to happen according to Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. Well, I hope you've been encouraged by the word of God. And if you have, go ahead and subscribe to our podcast or download our free app at the App Store. And you can continue to get word every week from Elevate Life Church.